The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. Well, good morning. Oh, man, you sound great today, and you look amazing. Most of you do. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look fantastic. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, you do too. Check them out. All right, good, good, good. Man, you made it to week five of our series called Marked. And uh, listen, this has been one of our favorite series thus far because now it's like Wizard of Oz, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the screen, right? Uh, We're on week five of our series called Marked. And and this has been an awesome series for us because we've really been diving into what are we supposed to look like, act like, talk like, breathe like, smell like as a Christ follower. Uh, Just somebody go like this, sniff your neighbor, go... Okay, that's gross. Don't do that. That's weird. Welcome to the Movement Church. What are we supposed to look like, act like, talk like? Uh, because, listen, how many, we talked about this last week, how many of you have ever invited someone to church and their response to you was, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of fake people who go to churches, right? And you're like, oh, wait, you don't understand. That's not who we are. That's not what happens in my church. Sure, there are people who are fake, who make poor choices. But, but listen, there's something more out there. There's, there's Christians and followers of Christ who actually live and be and do what they say they believe. But yet, for some reason, the actions of others around us, other Christ followers, play such a dramatic role in who we are. Isn't that right? So how many of you in this room have kids? Would you raise your hands for me real quickly? Awesome. So my wife and I have two daughters, an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old. And uh, we found out early on in our relationship and in our marriage that if we didn't actually determine and help our family see the direction that God has for us, then it would be too easy to let life just happen. And we would accidentally or unintentionally become somebody God didn't call us to become. So we begin to pray and say, God, where are you taking our family? Where are you taking our family? What do you want to do with us? What's the purposes that you have for us? And so we literally begin to pray and seek God and say, okay, what is it? So we came up with like this, this family seal or this direction or like what who we are as the Robinsons family. And we have a mantra. And that mantra is that we serve God, honor all, and finish strong. The Robinsons, we serve God, honor all, and finish strong. We say serve because you can love God and not serve Him. But it's really difficult to serve Him and not love Him. So we serve God at our house. And we honor all. That means those that are younger than us, those that are our friends, and especially those that are adults. It doesn't matter who they are. We respect and honor them for who they are. And we finish strong as the Robinsons. If we're going to start something, we're going to go for it with everything that we got. We're not going to quit. We're going to go at it. We're going to go hard. We're going to make sure this thing works. And so we use that for our kids to let them know, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we're doing. And one day, my wife decided, while I was gone, to take my girls on a hike. And she said, you know what, let's go to Laguna Canyon. That's a simple, easy hike. On a scale of one to death, she chose the death trail. (laughs) About a mile into it, she's like, we're fine, let's keep going. All downhill, by the way, the first leg of this trek. Two and a half miles into it, she realized, oh, dang, oh, snap. we got to walk all the way back up. Two little girls, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old at that time. My girl Avery's like, this is ridiculous, Mom. Can you carry me? And Megan's like, you know I am not going to carry you, kid. So my wife came up with this chant. You may have heard it before. It doesn't work really well when I'm around, but I still sing it anyways. It goes like this. 
Robinson girls don't stop. We're going to make it to the top. Huh. Robinson girls don't stop. We're going to make it to the top. Huh. Clap. Robinson girls don't stop. We're going to make it to the. Y'all can't clap to save your life. Jesus helped the rhythm in this church. Amen. And so these girls started chanting this song and singing it. Come hell or high water, they made it all the way back up four and a half mile height because they kept in front of them who they were. We're Robinsons. We serve God. We honor all. We finish strong. (laughs) We'll give you therapy later on if you're really angry at your mom. We're going to finish strong. And they did it because they were Robinsons. It was a marking of our family. We finish strong. And so now in everything that we do, if we're eating ice cream sundaes, Robinson and girls don't stop. Yeah, right? It doesn't matter what we do. And I sing the song too. It's okay. Get over. Stop judging me. It was a reminder of who they were. And I believe as Christ followers, we need to be reminded of who we are. How we're called to live. And literally how we're called to act and to be, to believe, to speak. How to treat our neighbor, our family members, our spouse our boyfriend, our fiance, our classmates. And this whole series has been about the markings of a Christ follower. In week one, we talked about being genuine and that we need to show genuine love to those that are around us. And the only way we can do that is if we're genuinely in love with who Jesus is. Week two, we talked about honoring all. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done, we're called to honor. Week three, we talked about being zealous. Do not be slothful in zeal. But stay passionate wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Because as a Christ follower, he's given us hope for tomorrow. And last week we talked about how we protect our own. As Christ followers, we don't eat and kick our wounded while they're down. We take care of each other. Not in some socialist, crazy kind of communal way. But no, we take care of each other. We try to be the solution for each other through prayer. Or through the answers that we can bring to help and encourage each other. Today I want to talk about a topic In fact, the the title of today's sermon is simply Peace. Peace. It's just peace. That one of the markings of a Christ follower should absolutely be peace. And this is a crazy subject, especially in today's world. Because when you say the word peace, it means so many things to so many different people. But I want to read a passage of scripture. We're pulling all of this from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 20. And I want to read this passage to you from the message version, which is a paraphrase of the scripture. Listen to this and let it ring true. I believe that at a church, we should read the scripture. Can I get an amen? And I believe that this should be the sustenance that we need. This is is God's word for you and for me today. Listen, we've said this before. That the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author sits down and leans in and says, hey, that's for you. Listen to this passage. It says, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 20. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Man, I'm spitting a lot. That means this is going to be good. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. 
Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Can I get an amen for that? Make friends with, no, with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. For some of you in here today, that's, that's the word for you today. God's going to take care of it. I'll take care of it. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. I love this last verse. Don't let evil get the best of you, but get the best of evil by doing good. I want to focus in on the passage of scripture in verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Today, that can mean so many different things. Give peace a chance. Make love, not war, right? We automatically maybe think of John Lennon's song, and we think, well, stop fighting in Afghanistan, stop fighting in Iraq. But I, I think there's something different here that Jesus is talking about through his writer Paul to tell you and me that our life should be marked with peace. Man, don't we need some peace in this society today? Man, I don't know about you, but one of the chief things that I work on, my wife and I at our home, is we want our home to be a place of, 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 of peace. And when our kids come home, they don't come home to crisis and a chaos and a mess and stress and envy and judgmental and failure. They come into a place and can go, oh, I'm home. School was crazy. My friends are nuts, but I'm home. This is a place of peace. We work hard that if you come to our home to hang out, that you walk into a place of peace. We will always have music playing, and it's always good. We will always have Bath and Body Work candle burning, and it smells good. Why? Because we want a place of peace. And Jesus said, man, the markings of a Christ follower should be that we are filled with and live in peace. I don't know what your picture or image of who Jesus is. I've got some pictures that I want you to, to kind of see. Maybe, I, I don't know, uh, do you guys have those in the notes, I believe? Check these out. Maybe this creepy picture. I'm sorry, I know that's sacrilegious. Or this guy right here where you're just hugging on the tunic of Jesus. Um, or maybe this is the blonde hair, blue-eyed. Hold on, slow down. How many of you, this is what you think of when you see Jesus? Yeah, because it's hung on a wall in some creepy church you went to when you are younger, right? Or maybe some of you see Jesus like this. Like your homeboy, Right? Yeah? And maybe some of you, okay, good. Hold on, right? Don't, don't change. Everybody just kind of do this at your neighbor or point at him. It's good. Jesus is your homeboy. That's good. Maybe some of you guys see this next guy. Hipster Jesus with his scarf and glasses. Or what about this next one? Who's got gauges, right? Come on. Hipster, hipster Jesus. He uses beard oil. He does. He uses, I don't know who you see as Jesus. You can take that down for people who think I'm sacrilegious. We don't know what he looks like. It doesn't matter. But listen, there's some things that he shared and some verses that he, or words that he spoke to you and I that literally we could, could, could send so many different messages. And listen to this, Matthew chapter 5, verses 9, it says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become sons of God. Now this verse, you, you hear that spoken or you read that passage and you automatically think this is the antithesis to the sons of anarchy, right? These are the guys who ride around on segways with leather vests with butterflies and unicorns on them, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, sons of God, right? And you think this is happy Jesus, good times Jesus. Jesus is, thanks for laughing, Jeremy. Jesus is my homeboy. Everything is good in the world. Let's just have peace. Give peace a chance. No fighting. This is not the time for that. Let's just live in peace. In fact, I believe that this is like the markings of our society. How many of you ever seen that bumper sticker that says coexist on it, right? With all the different symbols, I might make some people mad for a minute. All the different symbolisms of religion, which is great. I believe that we should love everyone, but the scripture, by the way, is just a wee bit scandalous. The gospel of Jesus Christ actually talks about truths that are a little bit controversial, controversial in the world that we live in today. It's challenging. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, I I think we should try to dive in and figure out what he's saying. Because listen to this next passage of scripture. Boom. Just a few verses later, Matthew chapter 10, he says something like this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? This is not sweet little baby Jesus wrapped up in swaddling clothesline in his gold little manger. Precious little 16 pound, 9 ounce Jesus. I like to wear a tuxedo shirt because I like to party on it. This is not like the sweet little Jesus here. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Listen, listen, listen to this next passage of scripture. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. Some of the parents in here are weeping right now. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those within his own household. What? Some of you are like, I like that mother-in-law part. I get that part, right? Don't, Don't raise your hand. I think my parents like my wife better than they like me. He says, I've come to set mom against daughter, father against son. Son-in-law against mother-in-law, and your enemy might even be in your own home. What is he talking about? This is the same cat who just a few chapters earlier said, Hey, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. And then he flips the bipolar switch a couple chapters later and says, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came with a sword, and it's going to probably destroy homes. And you can read that and go, I don't understand what is happening. Carrie, I'm so angry right now. This is frustrating and disheartening to me. But I believe Jesus is trying to tell us something because one of the markings of a Christ follower is peace. So is he saying that he literally wants to split up families? Is he saying that he literally wants to divide sons from fathers and mothers from daughters? Is he saying that you need to have an enemy in your household? No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that if you're going to follow me, you are probably going to experience some discomfort. If you're going to be a Christ follower, your life needs to be marked with peace, but you need to know there's going to be some challenging things that you're going to face. You need to know that there might be times where the things that you believe in, the word of God that you read, is going to be contrary to the belief of your very own family members. And you'll have a choice in that moment. 
Do I stand for the truth of God's word? Or do I follow along in line with my family? He's not saying to start a war within your home. He's the same guy who said, blessed are the peacemakers, and he means it. So what is he trying to tell us? We can read the same passage of scripture, but in a different translation, in the message translation, which is a paraphrase. Listen to what it sounds like. And this kind of paints a picture of what Jesus' intention was when he said this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 37 says this. Do not think that I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut. Make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. Cut through the cozy domestic arrangements. And free you for God. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know of a, a scripture that doesn't paint a better picture of our society today. That we are so inundated with what our culture says is the normal ways and things of life. There are so many distractions, so many frustrations, so many things that are vying for our attention that get in the way between us and God. And Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to make life cozy. He said, I didn't come so that everything can be kosher. But to cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. For some of you that are angry at me right now, please just know I love you. I believe that you can live in a home with someone who doesn't have the same faith background as you and you can still find peace. But we can't waver in what we believe. You don't have to be a vigilant idiot about it, right? You can bring peace. You have great friends and great family. Some of my great friends don't follow the same faith background that I do. They are not followers of Christ, and I still hang out with them on a regular basis. Why? Because God called us to live with peace. Are you all following me so far? We're going to keep going. I promise it's going to make some more sense. He said, what is it that's comfortable for us? What are the things that are a distraction for us? What are the things in your life that are literally a hindrance, something that's between you and God, or more importantly, God's plan for your life? He said, if you want to be a Christ follower, you've got to remove these distractions. Listen, he continues on in verse 38. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never Find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. I love that. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. Hey, listen, don't get angry at me or the scripture. If you're here and you're married, you made that same vow to your spouse. Would it be okay for you to not hold to that same vow? My wife would kill me and cut me up into little pieces and send me to every corner of the earth. Don't ever cheat on me. Are y'all, trying, y'all are not laughing with me. <laughs> You're like, I believe it. I've seen her. I believe it. <laughs> Today I'm going to do, a, I'm officiating a, a wedding and I'm going to read these vows and have the bride and the groom read these vows back to me. And I'm going to say, hey, do you commit for the rest of your life to give yourself only to this woman, forsaking all others. See, you don't just say yes to the woman. You say no to every single other person. 
And that's what Jesus is saying here. Love your family. Love the things. And things in life can be great. The distractions don't have to be a distraction. As long as God is first. As long as God is first. Now, why would Jesus tell us these things? And what does this have to do with peace? Jesus is trying to paint the picture for you and I that life is not always going to be great. That peace does not mean it's life is centered around leisure. Peace is not life without crisis. But you need to know this, that peace often comes with a sword. The peace that we experience in this country is here because men and women fought valiantly so that you and I could experience the peace that we do. So we can go on July 4th and cook out with our friends and watch fireworks because they gave their life and sacrificed everything. That was not a peaceful season for them. They had to fight for the peace that you and I deserve or have right now. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to know peace, you need to be a peacemaker, but you need to know that things are going to get crazy. How many of you are alive in here and you're breathing? Raise your hand. Good. Ushers, please, please keep an eye out. That'd be great. If you're here and you're alive, how many of you have been through a season that was difficult or challenging? Would you raise your hand? Look around the room for a minute. Keep your hand up. Okay, you put your hand down. How many of you can attest to the fact that life gets crazy sometimes? Right? Sometimes you face crisis that you don't have the answers for. Jesus knew we walked through this very situation. He knew that we'd struggle with this. He knew that there would be things that you and I would face that would come up and you literally, you don't have the answer for it. And you talk to the smartest people you know. And you've planned the best that you know how to plan. And yet you're facing this mountain, this crisis. And I just don't know what to do. Jesus knew we would struggle with this and have this challenge before us. And yet he called us to live with peace. He talks to us in John chapter 16 and, and literally he's sitting down with his disciples and he's like, hey, listen, you need to know that if you're going to follow me, you're going to face persecution. <laughs> awesome. And sometimes that persecution is going to lead to you being an outcast amongst your family and your friends. Awesome. Oh, BTW, you also might die because you're following me. You might literally, literally lose your life because you're following me. And he follows up this encouraging word. To tell the disciples this, John 16, verse 33, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect what? Peace and confidence. He unpacks the challenges that followers are going to face. He says, listen, it's going to be rough. It's going to be crazy because life is never perfect. There are people involved, which means life is going to be crazy at times. People are going to get sick. People are going to lose jobs. You might lose your house. There might be seasons and times you walk through that your marriage is on the rocks or you don't know the direction or God's purpose for you or your son or your daughter, your teenager is going buck wild and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you're still praying. And for whatever reason, it's just not working. And these things mount up against us on a regular basis. I don't care who you are, what your faith background is. Most of us in this room are not going to face life-threatening issues or situations because of your faith, because you live in America. The chances are you will probably not lose your life for your faith, but you are going to face trials and tribulations. And Jesus said, look, you're going to face these things, and it's going to be challenging. 
But I've told you all of this so that you can have peace. Well, Jesus, I hear you saying that, but that doesn't give me peace yet. It's still going to be challenging. It's still going to be difficult. And he follows that passage of scripture with this. He just gets more and more encouraging. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Thanks, Jesus. It's been good hanging out. Deuces, I'm gone. Right? You're going to face some challenging seasons. He said, I told you this. I told you this so that you can have peace and comfort. Well, Jesus, I'm not comforted. I don't have an answer to this thing yet. He follows that verse up. Very, the very next verse says this. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And I have conquered it for you. He says, listen, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. He said, listen, I'm telling you these things. You need to know that life will get crazy. Life will become distracting. Life will be frustrating. There may be times that you will feel uncomfortable. You have to make decisions you don't want to make, but just stay true to the word and work on being a peacemaker because I have overcome the world. That word where he says, be of good cheer. Listen, that's the same phrase that he told to the blind man just before he healed him. It's the same phrase he told to the lame man just before he grabbed his hand. He said, stand up and walk. Be of good cheer. It's the same thing that he spoke to the disciples when they were in a boat in the midst of a storm. And he walked on water and he went out to them and said, hey, be of good cheer. I've got this thing. You're going to be okay. For I've overcome the world. You see, being a peacemaker isn't just about giving peace a chance and dandelions and running through fields of wheat. I don't know why you do that anyways. But being of peace means that I understand that there's hope for tomorrow. That in the midst of what I'm walking through, I have hope. And hope is the same thing as peace. That even though I'm in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this trial, I may be blind like the man that met him along the road to Galilee. He said, Master, come and heal me. And Jesus came up and said, be of good cheer. And he healed him and he restored his sight. The woman who had an issue of blood and she came up and touched the hem of his garment. And he grabbed her hand and he said, be of good cheer. For I've given you hope. Be of good cheer. Hope is the equivalent of peace. How do I have peace in the midst of the challenging storm? It's not that everything is perfect and hunky-dory and amazing and I love it. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. He says, so you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. One of those words can be translated to be carefree. He whose mind is on you. I went to on a mission trip to Haiti in 2003. I don't know if you've ever been to Haiti. It's before the earthquake, and it was bad then. I mean, literally, Haiti makes parts of Mexico look like uh, a stinking Laguna Niguel. It's rough. Heaps of trash on the side of the road, 10 to 15 feet high with pigs and, and rabid dogs and kids playing on it. Crazy, crazy place. 
There's a place in Haiti called Cisole, City of the Sun. One of the most dangerous villages in Port-au-Prince. They did not recommend that if you were of vanilla skin tone that you go down there. I happen to be of caramely vanilla skin tone. They said, you need to change your shoes and put on flip-flops. Take off your watch, leave your wallet, everything here. Because if they see anything flashy, they will come and take it. And if you don't give it to them, they're going to take you. I'm like, this is exciting. (laughs) We happened to have a couple of guys with us that were from a strength team that used to travel the world and preach the gospel. One of them was six foot six, 340 pounds, and could bench press like 650 pounds. Just yoked, like four of me wide and four of me tall. Huge, like Sting and Goliath. His hands were the size of my face. It was awesome. Another guy named Ron Waterman, who was a little bit shorter, six foot three, but was a UFC fighter. While we were there, he was, tra- he was training to do some fighting, and he told four of us, listen, just jump on me and start punching me. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. He said, do it right now. I'm like, okay. So we jump on him, start punching, and then like I'm in this rear naked chokehold, and I'm like all passed out, like hanging out. And he's like, ah, I told you. He was training, right? Just crazy. Strong. They would break bats and bend these steel bars. And so when we were with them going to see Soleil, we were like, this is awesome. We're good. We're safe. These guys are giants. We pull up in a van. We're going to get supplies. And the interpreter who was with us, our driver, and these two guys with the strength team get out of the van and go like a block away. It's me and these three blonde teenage boys sitting in this van in the center of Cisole, City of the Sun. Literally, within four minutes, a, bike, a guy on a bike comes, circles our van, rides away, comes back with two more guys. He's circling our van. One guy's standing on the right side of the van. Another guy's standing on the left. Within three minutes, another guy's standing in front and another guy's standing in the back. I'm thinking, these guys are like... 13, I'm about to die. This is a little freaky. I start praying everything I know to pray. Trying not to let the guys in our van, these teenage guys, know that we're being surrounded on every side. There are about seven guys within about seven minutes. I'm freaking out. I'm praying. God, you got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. And all of a sudden, across the street, about a block away, I see this head, about eight feet taller than everybody else. Big old dude, Barry Hanley and Ron Waterman walking around the corner. They get to the other side of the street, and these dudes see them, and they literally take off running. They come back, and they get in our van, and we drive off, and nothing happened. When they got to our van, I was like, yeah, what's up? Come on back, guys. Come on back. What you going to do? What you going to do, right? Once they got to the van, I was carefree. Because they had it. Then it goes down. First of all, anybody challenges these dudes, they're idiots. This guy's a UFC fighter. He will paralyze your body in 42 seconds. I was carefree because these guys were in our van and it brought peace to our van. Was the crisis and the trial and the tribulation still there? Yeah, for a few moments. But they had it. They had it covered. They had this thing. We're good. I got this. And that's what peace is. That's what peace is. It doesn't mean that the trials are gone. It means that I may be hard-pressed from every side, but I'm not destroyed. It means that I may be broken, but I'm not abandoned. It means that I may be hurt, but I'm healing. It means that I may be down, but I'm not out. 
I may not have the answers, but I serve a God who is the solution. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm headed where God wants me to go. I may be, not be perfect, but I'm working on getting better. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath because my God will sustain me. My God is my hope. My God is my strength. My God is my very present help in time of need. He's got this. So bring on trials and tribulations and all kinds of horrible things. And I'm okay because when I'm weak... He is strong. And that is how I experience peace in the midst of the worst situation and season of my life. That's what peace is. In the midst of a fight, in the midst of a storm, I can hold and cling fast to the fact that God has got this thing. And when I have peace like that in the midst of a storm, everyone around me sees that and they go, How in the world are you okay right now? How are you still smiling? How have you not given up on your God, given up on your faith, given up on your marriage, given up on your life? And you can literally say, I don't have the answers, but God is my peace and God is my hope. He is my very present help in time of need. You know, I I shared a little bit about this with you last week and. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate your prayers. Some of you uh, came and talked to me. We've, we've, my, my dad's been battling uh, prostate cancer for a few years now, and it kind of uh, went into remission, and it came back pretty hardcore and shut down his kidneys. He's on dialysis on a regular basis. He'll be listening to his podcast, so, Dad, I love you. And, uh, and it came back kind of aggressive. Kind of is actually a poor word. It came back very aggressive. And uh, Monday, he went to the oncologist, and we got the word back from the oncologist. And they found a mass on his tailbone and, and on his pelvic, big mass. And uh, the cancer's gotten to his liver, about an inch and a half into his liver. And uh, they said, hey, there's about five or six options, and we've already ruled out all but two. And the last one is chemo. And uh, this is just to prolong life. It won't terminate the cancer. It's just to prolong life. That's, that's a rough one to get. Some of you have gotten that message before. I want to tell you right now, it's, 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 it would be easy to say, man, we're just believing God. But sometimes it's a struggle when you get news like that. Sometimes it's easier to believe and have faith for other people. And it's a challenge when it's right there in your backyard. I called my dad on Tuesday. He's in pain. You could hear it in his voice. And, and you know, we just talked and cried and shared. And, and, and I'll never forget this. He said, Carrie, he said, me and your mom are more in love with Christ than we've ever been before. He said, we just had a prayer time and the presence of God was so thick. It was so thick. It was like we'd never experienced before in our life. He said, I feel God so close and I'm so hopeful that he's going to heal my body. That didn't take away the cancer. He still has to fight it. That's peace. That's peace. That's peace. How do you say that when you face life-threatening news? You know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know peace. If there is no Jesus, there's no peace. So if you're here and you're a Christ follower, lean into the arms of who God is and let peace be a marking of your life. So that when you face trials, like Jesus said, 
And when you face tribulation, you can take heart and be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. That is peace. That is a marking of a Christ follower. And that is God's plan for you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you said, man, I don't, I don't know peace. I don't know peace. I know crisis. I know trials. I know tribulation. I know financial disaster. I know relational disasters, but I don't know this peace. But can I just challenge you to tell you that it may just be because you don't know Jesus. Knowing of Jesus, the knowledge of who he is, that's one thing. It's different to actually know Jesus. The crazy thing is there's a gap. There's a separation between you and me and God. It's called sin, and everybody has sin. We all have it in our life. There's nothing we can do. We are born with a sin nature, and sin is a consequence. It's called death and an eternity in hell. But there's an awesome, radical solution provided through who Jesus is. You see, he came and he lived on this world a sinless life. And he died on the cross and he paid the ransom for your sin and for mine. He paid it all. You don't have to get perfect. You don't have to rearrange everything today to know him. You don't have to have walked in this thing holy and mighty and strong. You can come in this place and be in the most destructive, disastrous place in your life. And Jesus still cares. So much so that this gift is free for you and for me. All we have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you're here and you've never said, Jesus, I want to follow you, then when we pray that prayer, would you just in your own heart repeat it after me? We're not going to ask you to get out of your seat or just even let anybody else know that you're there. Just you pray this between you and God. And if you're here today and you say, man, I, I need to know peace I'm in the midst of a crazy season and I'm not experiencing the peace like you're talking about. Maybe today's the day to come running back to Jesus and say, I want to follow you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all around this room? Nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, you never said, Jesus, I just want to follow you. Would you just right where you're at, just repeat this after me in your own heart. Just say, God, I know that you love me. I know you want me to live in peace. But that feels so distant right now. God, I know I've got sin and it separates, but would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the consequence for my sin. And everybody in this room, just everywhere you're at, heads bowed, eye closed, just say this phrase right now. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. He loves and cares about you. So much that he organized everything in your life leading to this moment to get you in this room. But there is an enemy, Satan. And the scripture says he roams the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Not snack on, not nibble on, but destroy. Another passage says to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe that the enemy doesn't want you to know peace. Because if your life is crazy and nuts, and your faith is wavering, and you're wavering on your values and what the truth of the word says, it'll lead to destruction in marriages, it'll lead to a faltering of the faith, and it'll lead to people in this room saying, God, I don't know, I can trust on you anymore, I'll come on Sundays, but that's it, because I don't see you anywhere else. 
And sometimes the answers to the very prayers that you're praying are not what you think they are. It's simply peace in the midst of uncertainty. And I believe that if we were to to just skip past this time and shut the doors and go out, then somebody might miss out on what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, that you can know peace. You can understand it and know it because the God of peace, the living, the true and living God wants to give you and let you feel and sense and experience peace in a way you never have, but you have to lean into him. Trust in him with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, which means you don't have the solutions. And that doesn't make sense sometimes because we just think, well, I got to think logically, sure, but just shut it down for a moment. I'm not going to lean into my own understanding, but in everything that I do, I'm going to acknowledge you, God, I don't know how you're going to heal my dad, but I believe you're doing something. Are you tracking with me? So whatever you're facing, whether it's financial, personal, I know some people in here are struggling with identity and purpose. And the God of peace wants you to know that he chose you, he made you, and he loves you. It's the very promise as we're sharing to the kids across the hall. And you need to hear it today. He chose you and he made you and he loves you. Rest in the peace of that. Some of you are facing uncertainty. I believe that there's transition in your future and you don't know what to do. Lean into and rest in the God of peace. Let the peace that passes all understanding wash over you. Just shut off the logic for a moment and lean into who God is. Are you tracking with me? I believe God brought you here today to hear that. And listen, you don't have to have the answers. You can just trust that God's grace is sufficient for your lack of faith. Can you hear me? God's grace is sufficient for your or my lack of faith. He can handle it. It's okay if you don't know how. You say, God, I need you now more than ever. Would you just lean in to who I am? Amen? This wasn't on our notes. This is what we call the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit working in here. We're spirit-led, spirit-filled Christians. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I want you to go a little bit longer today. Some of them will tear, stay around and tear you down. Some of them won't. We'll judge them, but that's okay. I'm kidding. God wants to do something. Hey, don't leave here the same. Amen? I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I'll just stay here for hours, and that would be a challenge. But, hey, let the peace that passes understanding wash over. And God will give you strength to take on whatever's ahead of you tomorrow. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com. Or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time.